What's going on, gym bros and gym girls? My name is James, and welcome to episode five of Gym Bro Talks, where we talk about fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle. Today, we got a special guest, Alex Solomon. He's very big, a very a professional and expert in weight loss, uh, very big on Instagram. So welcome, Alex. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great as well. Thank you so much. Appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, so I want to kind of dive straight into the podcast here because weight loss is such an important topic that needs to kind of be talked about because I think there's a lot of misinformation on the internet about weight loss um, and a lot of uh, fitness influencers that kind of clickbait you into the video and, and, and give you misinformation and a lot of people yeah. really fall for it, right? And so it's really great having an expert here today uh, helping us out. So. Let's, if you don't mind telling the audience a little bit about your experience, your story, um, and, and uh, you know, what you're currently doing as well. Yeah, so it's crazy how I'm even, even in this position today to be doing a podcast about weight loss. So my story started over a decade ago. So I was uh, the worst person to even... Or the last person to even think about that they would be doing this at any time, at any point in their life. So I was uh, morbidly obese. I was 365 pounds at my heaviest. And I didn't work out. I didn't eat right. I just, I used to punish myself with food. Pizza, mm -hmm. donuts, just everything, right? Mm -hmm. I hated working out. I hated doing any kind of cardio. I was part of a high right. school football team. But as an excuse to kind of not go to class, you know, so I, I was scared of the weight room. I was scared to even bench press. Like I used to make up excuses why I can't participate in working out for that day. Like I used to walk out because mm. I felt like my heart was racing because it was uh, terrifying to me to lay on a bench press or a bench for a bench press right. and have everybody just look at me in disappointment how this giant guy, I'm six foot four, he can't even bench press 135 mm. pounds for a couple of reps. I didn't want to face that fear, so I used to make up excuses why I had to leave. Mm -hmm. And I had a one instance of one my someone I knew before, he, he used to uh, work out and stuff like that. And he dragged me into the gym because he's like, oh man, you got to work out with me. I'm doing, he was in, uh, in his phase in life when he was working out. So I was kind of forced to go to the gym my first time. And mm -hmm. that was the first and last time I went to the gym in that period of my life. I hated it. I felt like I was out mm -hmm. of place. I felt like I was being judged. I felt like um, everybody was looking at me. Who was this big guy? He doesn't fit in. He should leave. That was all in my head, right? Right. And then I didn't go to the gym for probably maybe a year, a year and a half or something like that until mm -hmm. I went to my doctor. And I hated going to a doctor's because being in that kind of condition, it was never good news. It's always like something is wrong. Your blood work is terrible. Right. You got to lose weight. You got to do this and that. So I just didn't go to doctors. But one time I had to go to the doctor and uh, he told me, he said, if you have a high triglycerides, a fatty liver, high blood pressure, high, you're pre-diabetic, you got elevated mm -hmm. blood sugar, um, you know, all these things. And he said, if you, I was maybe 20 at the time, you know, and he said, if you don't change something immediately, you will die before you hit 30. Now, I don't know how true it was. I never, obviously, I'm still here. 
I don't know if it would have came to be true. Maybe it wasn't. But that was like a kick in the ass that told me that you have to change something in order yeah. to experience life or whatever is there for you. So I didn't didn't want to just die young, you know, so I wanted to experience mm -hmm. having a family, you know, yeah. traveling to wherever there is to travel. I just didn't want to die young. So mm -hmm. I started my personal weight loss journey by doing the extremes. I thought that in order to lose weight, you have to eat chicken and broccoli every the typical bodybuilding foods. Right. So I ended up eating too little calories, which made me have crazy episodes of severe under eating followed by binge eating. So my food relationship was absolutely right. terrible. So a lot of times when I post on social media about how long it took me to go from my heaviest to my lowest, I say it took mm -hmm. me about four years, maybe plus or minus mm -hmm. a tiny bit, probably a bit over four years, between four and five. I get a lot of people telling mm -hmm. me that it, I did it sooner or he did it sooner or I lost mm. 200 pounds in six months. And I tell mm. them that, first of all, it's amazing you lost that weight, but I'm not you. Yeah. Like I've made so many mistakes in the beginning. I plateaued right. for years. People come to me, they tell me, Alex, I've been plateaued for six months, for four months. What should I do? It's terrible. I'm like, listen, that's a drop in the bucket. Try being in a plateau for years and see how that feels, you know? Yeah. and. I was just spinning my wheels in place for years and years and years until I started to understand nutrition and what actually uh, facilitates weight loss, fat loss, weight gain, muscle gain, all that kind of stuff. And I started to just become obsessed with learning about nutrition and what's better for mm -hmm. you, not only from a weight loss point of view, but from psychological reasons. You know, what causes cravings? Why do people binge eat you know why do people that eat more tend to be more consistent like all these things and i started to just um get on the right path so i lost 135 pounds in about wow. four years or so and mm -hmm. there was a click or a uh, a shift in mindset when i first started to do things right when i say right i mean start to focus on calories i started to focus on eating traditionally bad foods in moderation and I stepped away from eating super clean or eating as little as possible and once that shift mm -hmm. was created I told myself I don't know if this will ever happen I don't know if I'll even do this, this is probably a dream it's probably a myth but I hope one day I can show other people that they can do mm -hmm. it too and I completely kind of forgot right. about it I just it wasn't that, it wasn't something that I was striving forward, but it was something that I wanted to achieve at some point in my life. You mm -hmm. know, so I started to lose weight the right way. Of course, I was going to the gym and stuff like that. I was eating as well as I could. And over some years, I started to train people in person, you know, work out in the nice. gym and stuff like that, help them with nutrition. And then I, I got different jobs I, here and there. And I saw, like, I never looked at myself as a, I still don't, as an influencer. I think it's, I don't know, it's it's not me. Like, I'm not the <laughs> kind of person to flex in the in the camera mm. or show off their body. Like, my body is not perfect. And that's why I never used to see myself as a some somebody that's like 
the people on social media and magazines and stuff like right. that. So I just separated myself. I, it's not my mentality. I'm, I'm like a, a very introverted, you know. So, mm-hmm. but I, I told myself, you no, know, what's stopping? Like I saw a lot of BS online, you know, like a lot of yeah. quick fixes, gimmicks, crazy workouts that will melt stubborn belly fat. And I'm looking at that 100%. stuff and I'm like, this is such nonsense. Like people are eating this up because it sounds like it may work, which is marketing. Yeah. And I'm like, how about I mm-hmm. just try to put myself out there a little bit and show people actually what's right. I know I'm not going to get that much attention because what I'm saying isn't what they want to hear. But what I'm saying is yeah. what actually works. And the few people that do mm-hmm. follow me actually see results and they keep their results because it's real stuff. It's not crazy. I'm not going to sell you some stupid pill. Like I tell you what works yeah. because I tried what didn't work. And, you know, over time, like personally, the first time that I ever pressed the button to record. So I use, I use Facebook a lot, right? It's the same thing as mm. anything else. But the first time I pressed the button to record on Facebook to do a Facebook live, it took me three hours to press that button. Three hours mm. because I was so scared. Like I was trembling, mm-hmm. I blacked out, I forgot everything I was going to talk about. And um, after that, I just became smoother and I started to do this more consistently. You know, with Facebook and the Instagram, TikTok and stuff like that. It gave me a platform to speak the truth and help yeah. people. And I effectively fulfilled my, I guess, dream or something from back in the day of showing as many people as I can that they can do it too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been doing this, you know, full-time for the last, it was part-time because I had, this is a business, right? So I had to yes. work on this over time and it was difficult. Yeah, You know, I had to work, I was working a regular job, 70, 80 hours per week. Then wow. I had to work on this and try to make this work. And then I went into this fully, I think two years ago, like full-time. I started to actually yeah. devote my time to this. And, you know, I, I feel amazing on the inside because I'm doing what I told myself that I would do at some point in, my, in the future. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I Thank you so much for your story. That was very inspiring. And I think, you know, it is so sad that people, they'll hear what they want to hear and and they, they'll try it and it's and then it doesn't work and then they're, their self-esteem it stays low, their confidence stays low, and they're just not going to get there. So it's very inspiring to have, you know, people like you who is actually hel- helping people. And, you know, like when you said you went to the doctors, doctor told you you were not going to live past 30. And I personally couldn't imagine, you know, how that would feel when if I, if I was told that I couldn't live past 30. And so I think it's very important to prevent people from having to go to the doctors and hearing the same thing as you did. And so was that the turning point for you when you hear, when you heard that, Oh, I'm not going to live past 30. Is that when you were like, yeah, I'm going to turn my life around. Yeah. That was a definite start. That was a start. I walked out of the office and I told myself like, I don't know how I'm going to lose weight. I don't know what it takes. I just know that people that lose weight, they do tons of cardio and they eat very clean Mm -hmm. chicken breast, broccoli, egg whites, whatever it is. So I went to the gym. I did hours and hours of cardio, sometimes twice a day. Mm -hmm. I didn't strength train. I didn't pick up a weight until probably a year afterwards. Mm -hmm. 
and I ate nothing but um, just typical clean food. Right. You know, and once I lost a decent amount of weight, I just didn't like the way that I looked. I was very, I wasn't fit. I wasn't um, muscular. I was just very, very skinny. Mm -hmm. And I looked uh, not proportioned right. Right. So me being at my height, you know, you, I should have some shape to me. Mm -hmm. And I just was very, very skinny. Mm -hmm. and I just didn't like the way I look. And that's when I started to pick up some weights and actually um, explore strength training, building muscle. Mm -hmm. Kind of and, and and building muscle i think is also a, a very important in a way where um it increases the amount of calories you burn on a daily basis as well right because the more muscle you have the more calories you're going to burn but on top of that um when you lift weights you actually burn more calories throughout the day as well uh, with the process known as epoch um and so would you recommend you know strength training or weight training three to four times a week or as little as one time a week, what, what would be like kind of the frequency yeah. you'd go for? Good question. So um, as far as strength training, it's absolutely important. It's important to put on muscle to increase your metabolic rate. But at the same time, lifting weights may not be the right approach right now for a person because sometimes people have a psychological hurdle to even enter mm. the gym. You know, if somebody's extremely overweight, they may feel judged at the yeah. gym because they see all these fitness models, they see people flexing in the 100%. gym, they feel like, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. I understand why they feel the way I feel the, exactly the same way. So that may be a <clears throat> goal for the future yeah. to work up to, right. you know, but as far as how many times a week they should be going, I would say if, if you have no routine in mind, if you have no schedule in mind, just make it a goal to enter the gym because entering the gym and getting to the gym is oftentimes where the disconnect is people don't do that it's very difficult so get into the gym try out every machine that you want to try out mm -hmm. you know see what you like see what you don't like do it again the next day you know it's, it's less about the specifics of the workouts the exercise for somebody that's first starting out on their weight loss right. journey it's just about going there and feeling comfortable feeling not judged by everybody that you think may be judging mm -hmm. you try things out over time, you'll stick to the machines or the weights or the exercises you like to do, and you'll stop doing the ones that you don't like to do. You know, it's, it's uh, important to feel kind of um, included and like you're part of the gym. Yeah. And once you get into a consistency of be getting to the gym, however many times that is for you, some people may go to the gym three times a week. You can get a routine for that. Maybe it's six times a week and just change things up. But that's like a bridge that should be crossed later. Right. For now, I think for somebody who's first starting out losing weight and just being included in the gym, it should be to just enjoy what you're doing. 100%. You know? 100%. Um, even with, with diet, right? And I want to talk a little bit about the sustainability for dieting because like you said, for yourself, you know, it took almost four years. And I'm sure for a lot of people out there, I know personally for my clients, sustainability was one of the hardest things ever because it's so hard to oh, track, you know, track your macros to the dot or uh, so hard to really just change up that diet really quickly and, and get into that healthy zone. Um, I know one of the tips I usually would give to my clients is start slow, make small changes. You feel good about those changes, make it a habit, and then you make more small changes along the way. What would be some tips you would give uh, in terms of sustainability for dieting? Yeah, so sustainability to me is 
it's to me personally it's more important than actually losing weight mm-hmm. because you can lose weight by so many different ways but can that person actually keep the weight off if they're doing it in a very unsustainable way probably mm-hmm. not so sustainability should be done or created by not eliminating your favorite foods because eliminations tend to breed uh, cravings right. so if you have a favorite food there will be a time when you just if you eliminate the favorite food, whatever that is for you, you will be presented that food in front of you. And if you have a very restricted or elimination type of mindset regarding that food, it will be in front of you. You will lose absolute control over that food because you feel like either you're going to try it and just go downhill because you ruined everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're going to start starving yourself the next day, skipping meals. Maybe you're just going to keep eating whatever food you want to eat uncontrollably. That's a very unhealthy kind of relationship with food. So I would say as far as sustainability, know that a single meal is not going to get you to your goal, ever. A single day of eating perfectly fine will get you to your goal. A single week of eating perfectly fine will not get you to your goal. So by those means, a single meal won't get you off track. Mm. A single day of eating what you don't, don't want to eat, or maybe what you kind of feel like makes you lose track, will not get you off track unless you let it. Mm-hmm. So have meals that you want to eat, have food you want to eat, make sure it fits your caloric uh, allowance. If it doesn't, just the next meal, get back on track. Right. The next day, get back on track. Because the only time a single meal or a single day really gets you off track is when you allow whatever meals or days are afterwards to still, you know, get you off track Mm -hmm. just get back on track you'll be fine it's not going to be the end of the world and even the best athletes aren't perfect Mm -hmm. what makes things like you're going to be perfect it's not realistic yeah 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 and i mean i I think it's okay to indulge you know once in a while once a week whatever it may be um but I, i i've seen in your videos you said having a caloric deficit of about was it two to three hundred a day is is kind of the best way to go yeah, I mean, there's no best way. I mean, the, mm. the higher your deficit, as long as you're in a calorie deficit, you'll be fine if you're trying to lose weight. I mean, I would say three to 500, two to 500 is fine. People tend to have a very uh, all or nothing approach. Right. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to eat 1,200 calories. Mm-hmm. Well, the people that start to eat or start their weight loss journey by eating as little as humanly possible, eating just less than a toddler will eat mm-hmm. by that kind of mentality, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure because you can't be consistent with yeah. that amount of calories. Yeah. It's better to be in a very small calorie deficit, but still, you know, if, it, if your body, if your weight maintenance is at 2,500, why would you want to eat 1,200? Yeah, it'll be faster, but you're going to go off track in a week or mm-hmm. so. So if your maintenance is 2,500, eat 2,000, eat 2,200. You know, there's a range, but... You have to prioritize sustainability and consistency from day yeah. one and some kind of level of enjoyment. Yeah. Because if you kind of say that, oh, I'll worry about that when I lose the weight. Right. I'm going to survive on these calories for now and see how I do. You will not be consistent with mm-hmm. it. You know, So it's better to eat as much as possible while being in a calorie deficit than to try to eat as little as possible and try to kind of hope for the best. Yeah. It's not a... Not a very realistic approach that a lot of people take. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Is if you're eating a, under a thousand calories a day, you're probably not getting the amount of nutrition you should be getting in on a daily basis as well, right? 
Probably not, man. Especially your micronutrients, your fiber. Yeah. Like if your fiber, it's very difficult to eat a decent amount of fiber if you're eating such a little amount of food. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't eat food. You can't. So you got to supplement fiber. You know, and you you want to feed your body. You want to recover properly. Yeah. There's no need to just. I mean, toddlers eat. You know, twelve hundred plus calories. Why would a a fully grown <laughs> human adult want to eat that? Like want to eat that yeah. little. Yeah. Put that into perspective, and people always try to chase. I want to lose five, six pounds this week. I want to lose ten pounds this week. Mm-hmm. I'm telling them, well, ten pounds a week. Let's say five pounds a week. It's over two hundred and fifty pounds in an entire year. Yeah. The vast majority of population doesn't have anywhere near that much to lose, but they still stay stuck in the same yo-yo cycle for decades. Mm-hmm. For five years, because they try, keep trying to lose the same five pounds every single week. Whereas if you were to just focus on losing one pound a week, half a pound a week, a half a pound a week would be over 25 pounds in a year. Yeah. And if you lose 25 pounds in a, in a year, let's say it takes you two years to lose 50 pounds because that's how much you want to lose. Okay, 50 pounds, but you still gradually gain to your goal. Whereas if you were to try to chase to five pounds a week, you would be trying to lose the same five pounds for the next 10 years or so, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Got to be put into perspective. And realist, realistically um, speaking, one pound of fat is about 3,500 calories, right? And so if, mm-hmm. you know, someone wanted to lose one, one pound of fat a week, you'd either have to cut out 3,500 calories from your diet or you have to exercise off 300. 3,500 calories, or you can kind of split that in half. That'd be about 500 calories a day, which means you'd either eat 500 calories less, or you would exercise 500 calories less, or you can do half, half, 250, 250. Um, And so I think that's, you know, a pretty sustainable way as well when you kind of do it with diet and exercise, not just doing one of the things as well. Um, I wanted to ask about cardio because I noticed a lot of your videos, you said you do uh, walking for cardio. And as a trainer, I've always been taught and I've always had this idea that cardio had to be intense. But when I watched your video and it says cardio doesn't have to be intense, I was kind of surprised. Um, and I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that as well. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the cardio aspect of things? Yeah. So cardio, when people think about cardio, they think that it's running jogging yeah i don't know high intensity cardio maybe it's going for a lance armstrong kind of bike ride to get their heart Mm -hmm. rate beating that already is a very defeating kind of mindset because nobody wants to do that yeah let's be honest nobody wants to do that you know um as personally speaking i used to play football not play i mean i used to practice for football i played a little bit Mm -hmm. in high school and their form of cardio for the kids that needed to get in shape was running. It was very high-intensity cardio, um, different kinds of drills, different kinds of jog to a run or just run around the laps. And nobody liked it. People kind of gave up. And that was my mentality from a very young age is that cardio has to be intense. Why? I don't know. It's just because people say it has to be intense. And every time I tried to do cardio before to lose weight, I tried to run, I tried to jog, I tried to ride a bike very intensely or stationary or a regular bike. It was never consistent for me. It was, I did it for a day or two, I gave up. Walking never clicked to me. Riding a bike at a 
regular pace never clicked to me because I never considered it. Mm -hmm. But walking is not, first of all, if you walk for an hour and run for an hour, of course you will burn more calories for an hour. That's not the point. People tell me all the time, I make these videos about saying people just to go for a walk. It's extremely beneficial because it compounds dramatically over time. Right. Very beneficial. And comparatively, if you walk for an hour or run for an hour or jog for an hour, walking is going to burn less calories in the same amount of time. Of course, mm -hmm. that's not the point. People get dragged up on the whole calorie burning aspect yeah. of it. If you burn, let's say... Uh, 800 calories jogging for an hour versus 400 walking for an hour. Yeah, okay. I mean, the numbers aren't correct and accurate. But what's better to run for an hour, feel super sore the next day, feel or hate every second of it. And the most important thing is not continue doing it for mm. the next day or the next week. Or is it better to burn less calories, not hate the process, not feel like you're trying to survive the session? Yeah. Maybe you want to go for a brisk walk, talk to a friend. Maybe you want to go for a bike ride or just enjoy yourself, you know. But doing that consistently for months or years because you actually enjoy it. It's the whole psychological and mental aspect of it that people don't really realize how you, you have time for yourself to walk. You can get inside your own head and just maybe think to yourself, you know, emotionally it makes you feel better. It's not about the whole cardio burning X amount of calories. That's important, but it's about the consistency and the sustainability, yes. which is not only about the calories and the diet. It's also about how do you, how do you elevate your uh, weekly average activity level and keep that constant without worrying about the details and the calories and the not looking forward to the session that you're about to do. Mm -hmm. You know, how many people actually look forward to going for an hour run? Very few people. Some do. But most people, especially ones that are trying to lose weight, they don't look forward to an hour of straight sweat and agony. Yeah, 100%. You know, so walking to me is extremely underrated. It's, a, it's very beneficial, even for heart health. There was a, a study done. I don't have it on me, but I remember seeing it. It was uh, the average daily step count uh, for individuals and how much it, pro it uh, increases their lifespan. And it was like something uh -huh. like every 2,000 steps it increases your lifespan by like X amount of years. Interesting. Just walking. Yeah. So if you just walk every day, it doesn't have to be 10,000 steps. Yeah. If you're currently doing 2,000, make that 3,000. Mm -hmm. Increase it to 4,000 later on. Just get into a rhythm and focus not on the calories burned per session, but on the consistency and sustainability factor of actually doing the walking or the bike riding if you want to. Yeah, and I think it's important to find the things that you actually enjoy doing. You know, whether it be walking, some people enjoy boxing, some people enjoy biking. And I think personally, boxing is a really fun type of cardio to do. Uh, I don't know if you've yeah. done, you know, boxing before, but especially if you have a trainer or a gym partner or someone you, you have, you're doing this journey with, boxing is really fun because it keeps you focused and, um, it's not like you're going on a jog and you're just thinking of, oh, what am I going to do later? A very boring type of cardio, right? Um, would you say also having like a gym partner is could motivate you? Yeah. So this, uh, I have a lot of words about gym partners and the whole motivation aspect of it. So mm. can it motivate you? Absolutely. For sure. Somebody's waiting for you. But I've went through so many different gym partners. And I'm yeah. not 
talking any crap about right. them. I'm not. They're amazing people. What I'm saying is, if you rely on that person to keep you accountable, mm -hmm. there will be times, and it's guaranteed there will be times where your schedules don't align, your workouts don't mm -hmm. align. Maybe somebody is super sore, somebody gets injured. Like, if, if your results and your consistency is based on somebody else, you're setting yourself up for failure because there will be times when you just don't mesh together in any different ways. Mm -hmm. Schedules, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So, gym partners are fine if they're there, but you should always have your own self-accountability keeping you going to the gym no matter what. Yeah. Maybe it's, if you don't like, don't like going to a gym, maybe doing what you got to do otherwise. But, you want to be self-accountable. And as far as motivation, so um, motivation is a, it's a very, it's like a myth in a sense. Like I, especially the right. people in my clients as well, they think that you will be motivated to do things that you should be doing every day. The simple fact is that you will not be motivated 90% plus of the time. Mm -hmm. So what do you do during that 90 plus percent of the time that will keep you on track since motivation is not going to be there. Mm. How do you keep yourself accountable? Mm. What are your habits that you're doing every day? What are your non-negotiables that you follow every day, no matter what? No matter how simple or small they mm. are. If they keep you on track even a little bit, what are your non-negotiables? What do you do every day that's super simple, not complicated, not very detail-oriented, but good enough to have you re retain the feeling of control mm -hmm. because once you lose control or once you lose motivation you might lose control if you don't have your habits and your fundamental uh, non-negotiables keeping you in a place where your control is something that is still with you if that makes sense so gym partners they're awesome to keep you they definitely like push out a few more reps they definitely give you sometimes a better workout but that's usually temporary mm -hmm. what do you do most of the time when they're not there mm -hmm. what do you do when motivation isn't there? yeah because most of the time they won't be there and your motivation is not going to be there that's a fact yeah. so what else do you do yeah you have to be your own master you really have to master that discipline you have to be be able to do it yourself in terms of measuring goals and i think this is a big one for a lot of people you know lose a few pounds i step on a scale um and sometimes it doesn't look like i lost a few pounds right and I, I think that discourages a lot of people and they don't know that they actually did make progress what would be some form of way you would measure your goals for your clients or for yourself other than the scale so so the scale and putting most of your emphasis on the scale leads to a lot of self, like a self-defeating mindset in a sense, because I, I understand why people tend to look at the scale, because the scale relates to the mentality of, I want to lose five pounds this week, I want to lose three mm -hmm. pounds this week. And the scale may say you lost one pound this yeah. week. First of all, one pound on the scale is just a fluctuation of body weight. It's not just your fat losing. You can maybe you didn't go to the bathroom or you went to the bathroom more often than frequently. You have more food in your system. The scale doesn't just track how much progress you made on a body composition um, standpoint. It's just whatever's in your body. Maybe you had 
a couple of pickles last night, so your body is retaining more water. Yeah. You had a tacos last night. You were in your calories, but you had a bunch more carbs. Mm-hmm. Your body will retain some more water than usual. So the scale should be used as, as a single form of measuring relative progress. Right. Kind of see how you're doing. Are you going in the right direction over a long period of time? Hopefully you are, but if you're not, what else, what other measures do you have to track your progress? Which is why taking photos of yourself is extremely important. Maybe you want to take a mirror photo. I don't know, take a, a picture of you just standing there or flexing with a timer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make a difference. As long as, I mean, you are the only person that's going to be seeing that. So do whatever you want to. On top of that, how your clothes are fitting. Mm. You know, if there's a shirt that was super tight last year, wash it, take the dust off, put it on, see how it feels now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great way of measuring progress. And, but I think one of the best ones is actually, a, you know, one of the best ones is just body measurements. Yeah. Sometimes the scale might go up two pounds this week, which will probably happen. For me, my weight fluctuates by five pounds sometimes, mm. you know, but maybe your, your waist shrinks by an inch and a half. Your neck shrinks by half an inch. Your thighs go down by an inch. People will tend to put those measurements of actual progress as the very last thing to focus on or appreciate, and they will put the scale as the first thing that actually dictates the progress. That's not true. Mm -hmm. There's so many factors to it. I mean, take your measurements, take your photos, put on some clothing. But on top of that, people don't even realize like your food relationship. If you used to binge eat on a regular basis, if you used to severely undereat, severely overeat, skip meals, starve yourself, look at food as good, being good, and a french fries being super bad, but now you're in a place where you just look at food as energy. You don't have those binge eating episodes. Mm-hmm. You don't have uh, times when you skip meals because you feel so guilty. Mm-hmm. That's a huge measure of progress. Right. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And the scale is never going to show you that. Yeah. You know? And... All of this has to be taken into account. And the scale, I mean, you eat five extra, uh, 50, 50 more carbs and you're going to retain mm. some more water, whatever it is. You know, so just know that it's not, the scale does not show you the entire picture ever. 100%, 100%. And um, in terms of measuring uh, your body, would you say like, Measuring the stomach, measuring the chest, legs, arms. What would be like a good uh, point of reference to measure? Yeah, so I, as many as you can get. Mm. Uh, usually it's the neck is one that I like to focus on, especially with more overweight neck. individuals because it leads to, uh, might lead to sleep apnea. I see. So you want to see how, how well you're, uh, if you have sleep apnea or maybe you're borderline. Right. Um, how it's improving compared to your the size of your neck and see if it has a, a role in that i would say waist for sure mm-hmm. uh shoulders chest uh biceps if you want to thighs are a big one hips you know um calves if you want to but the the bigger areas including the neck to me is to me is the most important right piece. yeah yeah i think also taking progress pictures is very important because well, not very important, but it, it can be good when you look back on those pictures and you can see where you started. And sometimes it can be very, very motivating. Okay, I wanted to ask you because obviously in your videos you have 
you know, your old picture and your new, your now picture. And you have these re a really nice set of abs, right? Uh, can you tell us whether or not you, because here's a, there's a lot of controversy on this topic, I think. A lot of people say, yeah, abs stay in the kitchen, but no, a lot of people say, no, you should probably train your abs at the gym as well. What would you say is the best way to kind of get abs? Yeah, I mean, abs are just like any other muscle. They'll get bigger, they'll mm. get smaller. I mean, if you want to see, for example, definition in your arms, for example, the quickest way to see that would be to just drop your body fat percentage. Mm -hmm. You can train your abs or you can train your arms for a long time, but if you're overweight, you're not going to see definition or striations in your biceps, veins, whatever it is. For myself personally, I didn't train abs until maybe half a year, a year before that photo. And it, even then it was maybe like a couple of times a month when I remember to. Mm -hmm. So I strength trained, I still do. So compound lifts, the usual, uh, which also work your core to, to a certain 100%. degree. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I never even thought I would have abs. That to me was like, wow, you know, I actually have some. That's, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And the biggest, to me, the most, the biggest things that helped me see them was, number one, is reduce, reducing my body fat percentage as low as I could to show them. And they were built on primarily compound lifts. I did have a bit of core work. Uh, my favorite one is the ab wheel. I just absolutely, it sucks in the beginning, <laughs> but I absolutely love it. Um, maybe occasional leg raises thrown in, which when I remember to, which is not all the time. Right. Um, but the compound lifts definitely helped me out. You know, a lot of uh, rowing, because rowing works your obliques to a, a certain degree. It's not, it's not necessary to train your abs directly. Because mm -hmm. you have to f remember that they will be revealed, in a sense, by your body fat percentage. You know, so just, it's just like any other muscle group. It takes time, you know, yeah. but you're always better off focusing on the nutrition as in regards to your uh, abs showing more than actually training your, your core without making a priority to reduce your body fat percentage. It should be a com it could be a, b a combination of both. But I feel like it leans more towards your nutrition by far. What would you say would be, because around 9% is where, 9% uh, body fat is where your abs usually start showing. Do you know which, uh, what body fat you're currently sitting at? No idea. No I don't idea. even pay attention to body fat percentage. Mm -hmm. I don't track it. There's a lot of inaccuracies for like the, the bio impedance, I think it's called machines. Yeah. The calipers. Uh, I know that the... I believe that the most accurate ones is like a, a bod pod or maybe when they suspend you in, in water, I believe. Yeah, they, seen those. I've never done it. I'm curious to try it. I don't think about my body fat percentage. I don't know what it is, honestly. You know, um, I would love to find out, but I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of times it doesn't really matter. If you look good, you look good, right? Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more or tell the audience a little bit more about your gym routine? Yeah, so for the longest time, maybe before a year and a half, two years ago, I used to uh, power lift with an emphasis on uh, building muscle. So the big four with the overhead press. Um, mm -hmm. Also, like I just love bodybuilding 
exercises and splits. So right. right now I stopped doing deadlifts because deadlifts beat me up. You know, to me, I like doing Romanian deadlifts instead. It's easier for me. It's more fun. Um, the risk, in my own opinion, the risk to reward ratio with uh, regular deadlifts is not uh, the best because mm -hmm. there's better ways to train your whole entire posterior chain than uh, deadlifts. And I, I used to love deadlifts as well as a barbell bench press isn't the best way to build your chest. Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, I bench press barbell sometimes, but right now my routine is pretty much um, legs. Then I do chest and biceps. I know it's very, you know, crazy. Mm -hmm. I do uh, back and uh, triceps mm -hmm. and I do a shoulder day to itself. Mm. And I sprinkle in a bit of core once mm -hmm. in a while. And I pretty much repeat it. So it's not really a, on a weekly basis, it's on a get your four done, mm -hmm. maybe do like a, a push day. Like, I mean, rarely. Just have those four done, maybe a bicep and core day, and repeat it. So if it happens to be Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday's off, repeat on Sunday, it kind of, it keeps going progressively. Now, there's no real set base to it, but there is, there are uh, set exercises. Do you usually change up your the amount of sets you do and the amount of reps you do, or is it usually like a hypertrophy type thing or strength training type thing? I try to use progressive overload as much as I can. Mm. Um, I, I'm always trying to increase something. I mean, first of all, I I truly believe that any people love to change up exercises. I got the muscle confusion. I got to try this exercise because now I'm sore. I must be doing something. Soreness is, an, is not an indicator of growth. People should really try to do an exercise for at least 12 weeks consistently yeah. to see growth in that uh, particular muscle or exercise that it's targeting and uh, the, the muscle the exercise is targeting. So as far as me changing things up or increasing things, I try to increase either the, the weight I'm using or the reps or keep those two the same and, in, and include an additional set. Mm. Or I reduce the rest periods between every set. So I use that as progressive overload. Of course, the volume, you know, I do 10,000 pounds of volume. Now I want to do 11,000 pounds of volume for any kind of exercise. So if I can increase any of those variables the next time I go work out, that's a success to me. You know, so it keep it boring, keep it simple. But in, people don't want to do the boring stuff. They think they've got to overcomplicate things all the time and it's just simply not true yeah. do the same things if you want to grow muscle you will likely be doing the same or similar exercises for the rest of your life mm -hmm. so you might as well get very or stronger in them or do something that's very similar that hits a similar kind of muscle group but it's going to be similar kinds of things right and i was uh i was i was wondering because muscle recovery is so so important and obviously protein, having protein in your diet for weight loss, building muscle, also very important. And I think there is a lot of people having different numbers for this topic, which is how many grams of protein should I have on a daily basis? Because a lot of times it's, oh, it's one gram, it's 1.2 grams, but hey, what if I was 300 pounds uh, in weight? Am I supposed to be eating 300 grams of protein? Yeah. You know, what do I do here? Yeah, so as far as the protein intake, it, it should be based off your projected goal weight or off of your lean body uh, body mass. Mm. 
So if I was 365 like I was back in the day, I it would be stupid to try to eat mm. close to 400 grams of protein. Mm. So higher protein is definitely better because it keeps you satiated for longer. But as far as a general kind of like rule of thumb, I would say use anywhere from like 0.8 to 1 gram per pound of either lean body weight or goal body weight. Now, if you're an obese or overweight individual, it's you should not be basing your protein intake based off of your current body weight. That'd be just way too much protein. So yeah, project what, what your ideal kind of body weight would be. Use like 0.8 to 1 gram, and that's good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Even if you find the absolute perfect number, whatever that is for you, you're guaranteed to not hit that perfect number every single day. Mm. There should be a range, like a 10, 20% range. And yeah. if you're 80% good enough over a long period of time, you will be successful in whatever it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. And since we're on the topic of macronutrients, a lot of people cut carbs when, when they're trying to lose weight. What's your opinion on, on cutting carbs? Should you cut it to a certain degree? Should you cut it completely? like the keto diet or um maybe not have too much worries about it yeah so carbs should be limited and looked at so carbs are just the easiest thing to eat they're they're fun they're delicious they're quick and easy to take almost no time to cook or prepare most of the time cookies ice cream stuff like that mm-hmm. so if they're i mean carbs should be limited and understood that they're usually the reason why people go over their calories Mm. so what i tell my clients is and other people is is that try to get your carbs from mostly fruits and vegetables because you got to fill yourself up on as much food as possible you know Mm. and if you're trying to fill up on cookies you're going to eat a whole bunch of them which will push you over your calories but for somebody who's first just starting their weight loss journey now i would suggest to think to yourself how many carbs you eat from stuff that isn't beneficial for your weight loss how many times a day or a week to eat the cookies the ice cream candy maybe it's like french fries all the time you know not that it's bad it's just because it's very easy to go over your calories by eating those foods mm-hmm. simply put you know yeah. so it should be looked at and just reduced but not eliminated reduce and not eliminate and i think with uh sugar and 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 ketchup and sauces, things like that, they're very high in empty calories. So, you know, I think same thing, right? You can still indulge in them a little bit, but just not too, too much. What do you think about volume eating? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I actually had a, a coaching call with my clients yesterday, and my topic was volume eating. It's <laughs> funny you said that because nice. to me, volume eating is a uh, should be a fundamental mindset and uh, idea about weight loss because soon because nobody's going to count calories for the rest of your lives it's not going to happen ever but if you understand the whole concept behind eating for volume with relevance to lower calories that's something that you can do for the rest of your life because mm-hmm. it's very simple so volume eating is essentially how do i just fill myself up with as much volume of food as possible for the least amount of calories mm-hmm. that just usually means that if you're looking at liquid calories like liquid calories uh, sugary drinks, full cal or full uh, sugar soda. There's tons of calories in there, but it's not going to fill you up, probably at all. They very very minimally. Tons of oils, full fat or full sugar dressings. You're going to add a whole bunch of that to your meal. 
increase the meal's calorie intake by a few hundred and you're not going to be any more full by adding those 200 calories than you would have if you were to have a lower calorie option and use those 200 calories for more actual food mm-hmm. you know so you know volume eating is extremely extremely important and i think that if there's because not a lot of people like counting calories and i understand that it's fine it's frustrating for a lot of people but if you adopt the concept of eating for volume while picking lower calorie options for foods you will just be successful because that's calories are important you don't have to count them Mm, i like that a lot because most people or at least from my experience with my clients they'll count calories for a few days and then they stop because it's just too much work yeah is there um we just hit the 50 minute mark is there any you know last words tips tricks you kind of want to tell the audience yeah so if there's anybody who's like starting their weight loss journey or just trying to get into like a better shape right and to just be healthier overall i would say that if you're trying to be perfect don't like nobody's Mm. perfect just if there's one thing that you should focus on is pick a few things that are generally better for you and be as consistent as possible with doing the few simple things. Try to focus on being you know, 80% good enough, but consistently. Mm-hmm. If you're 80% good enough, that's good enough to reach your goal over an extended period of time. If you're trying to be perfect, chances are you're going to fall off track after three days, two weeks, a week, whatever it is. You know, So you want to set yourself up to be as successful as possible while by focusing on just consistency and being 80% good enough. That's it. Awesome. Thank you so much. There is so much value and so much information packed in today's podcast, which I'm very happy about because I think we're going to be able to help a lot of people uh, with today's podcast. So if you guys want to lose weight uh, with sustainability, you guys want to achieve your dream physique, have a good body transformation, make sure you guys are following Alex Solomon on Instagram. I'll put uh, hit the link to his Instagram in the description box. But thank you so much, Alex, for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for Great taking the time me. out of your day. Um, but yeah, that will be the, uh, the end of the podcast. We'll wrap it up here. Uh, do you have any questions for me before we end the thing? No, I just appreciate you having me on the podcast. It was a great opportunity to show other people, you know, explain a bit about what I do and just provide some value. All right, Jim Bros and Jim Girls. That wraps up episode five of Jim Bro Talks. Thanks for joining me yet again for another episode. Today's episode was packed with information, so I hope you were able to take something away and be able to use it in your own life and your own transformation journey. Again, guys, comment which fitness influencer you want on the show next and what questions I should ask them. This is James from Jim Bro Talks. I will see you in the next episode.